So basically, Freddy's just abandoned all of his friends and his responsibilities and his hopes and his dreams to play World of Warcraft. And uh, it's a really sad state. It's a pretty good way to live, man. We should. <laughs> oh my gosh, is that Freddy? I think it is. Oh, it might be. <laughs> Welcome back to the light. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty okay. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here. So, welcome to episode 18 of the Eternal Implications podcast, the podcast that definitely isn't playing with five blossoming defense. Yeah, because you want to get back now. Yeah, <laughs> playing Jun. If you want to get in contact with us, feel free to do so on Patreon at patreon.com slash eternal implications. Today, I'm joined by Josh, Justin, and believe it or not, Freddie Maldonado. How are you guys doing? Oi. I'm good. doing well. This is my first day off in two weeks, uh, so it's been it's been real. <laughs> Justin, how are you? I'm doing well. Doing pretty good until <laughs> Freddie logged on. So then, <laughs> instantly comes in with the insults. So ruined my day right away. So. All I'm yeah. saying is, I put my I put my land under the creature like a civilized person. <laughs> Justin can't go a single week without being reminded of knocking us out of a team event the day after we top aided another one. It's weird. I'm, I'm not in the Facebook group that much anymore. I don't know why. <laughs> we'll never know. I'll kick We're Grim if it'll make you feel better. <laughs> How are you doing, Freddie? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Just trying to get back into the groove of teaching. And I've got class this weekend and uh been having some back issues and stuff so just dealing with all that crap but glad to be here yeah it was good to have you back around saturday too uh, even if you did do poorly i was happy to see your face happy to see you burning <laughs> some pools thanks man appreciate it how are you doing travis i'm just fine i didn't get disqualified from a modern tournament that was uh pretty enlightening i even went 4-1 and happened to beat Gilbert, pretty proud of that. I ended up losing to the guy who got first place, though, and that stung a little. Who I beat. <laughs> yeah. Tiebreakers are a funky thing. Every single time he beats me, he, like, jumps out of his chair and announces to the whole store that he beat me. Yeah, And it's same. so infuriating. <laughs> same. He, he did that, like, he nimble obstructionisted me from the Blue Black Fairies deck, and I was so upset. And he, he beat me because of it. And he just stands up in proclamation. And I'm just like, you're very humble. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, my dad always taught me to act like I'd done it before. So, <laughs> uh, Aaron must not have had a dad. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I actually know Aaron's dad from basketball. And he is like one of the nicest people ever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like Aaron too. I'm sure his dad is great, but uh, I just don't like losing to Aaron. <laughs> so today we're going to take a look at some of the new brews we've seen in modern and also take a look at uh, some of the more impactful cards from Throne of Eldraine in eternal formats. In fact, we picked out seven that are probably the most impactful so far. And just talk about where we've seen them and where we see their impact going from there. The first brew, and probably the only brew, because I want to keep it a little brief this week, is from Gilbert. 
Uh, and I want to mention even Gerard Fabiano. They've been kind of tinkering with a Sultai mid-range slash control list. And this is something Gilbert piloted to 4-1, and one, so not too terrible uh, against some real decks on Saturday. Yeah, and only Gilbert, real decks. Yeah, I want to give you the floor and tell us about your Sultai list. Yeah, um, I'll touch on the cards real quick, and I'll talk about some of the uh, the number choices. So you got four Goyf, four Snapcaster, two Plague Engineer, four Ice Fang Coatl, two Tireless Trackers, two Abrupt Decays, two Assassin's Trophies, two Fatal Push, a Maelstrom, or a Maelstrom Pulse, four Astrolabe, two Jace the Mind Sculptor, three Liliana of the Veil, one Spell Snare, two Thought Seas, two Inquisition of Kozilek, to unearth and then my mana base was 22 lands pretty straightforward other than i played one urborg to facilitate letting me play a little more blue lands but also still be able to cast my lilianas um my sideboard not really worth mentioning because it was mostly incorrect other than like the engineer explosives and uh the Kalidus i was playing everything else was probably just trash uh but yeah uh this deck seemed pretty sweet there were some glaring holes in it um and uh, I honestly, I, I, my only loss of the night was to Travis um, in game three. He Fulminator Mage me off lands. And I think if I would have just taken the Fulminator Mage with the Inquisition instead of, what did I take? Bitter Blossom? Um, I, I, think, I think so. I, and I had an Abrupt Decay. I, don't, I just zeroed in on it because I lose to that card so much. Um, I'm not used to playing main deck removal for it. So I, I zeroed in, and I hit it instead of the Fulminator Mage. He was also only two, two lands at the time, and uh, it, it, I think it ended up losing me the match. Uh, but uh, some notable picks. Um, I had two Plague Engineers in my main deck. Um, creature, creature decks are at their best right now. Um, our meta is very full of fair decks for the most part. Uh, we had a Humans player. Um, I mean, uh, Plague Engineers, an all-star there. Travis plays Infect now and again. Uh, Plague Engineer is also quite good against the um, Soul Herder deck. If you name Snake, you kill all of their relevant flicker effects, and then you name Human, so you can shut them off Eternal Witness as well. But, uh, yeah, so I had two of those because I knew it was a card I wanted to have on three as often as possible, um, outside of against like the mid-range mirrors like Jund uh, or against Shadow. Um, the the All-Stars were uh, Ice Fang Coatl and um, Unearth. Uh, I've wanted to Unearth an Ice Fang Coatl since Unearth got printed into Modern Horizons with Coatl. I was like, ah, oh, this seems great. Um, I've unearthed some Baleful Strixes in the past uh, in Legacy. Uh, you know, Unearthing Snapcaster Mage feels great. Every creature in this list can be unearthed. Uh, and that was a uh, that was a very, very intentional thing for me. Uh, Tireless Tracker was our card advantage engine. Um, you'll notice there's not really any counter magic. Um, there was a Singleton Spell Snare as a concession to Stoneforge Mystic. Um, I, we have a lot of answers to Stoneforge with uh, Assassin's Trophy, Fatal Push, Abrupt Decay. We have a lot of ways to deal with with her or the equipment she brings down. So it wasn't it wasn't a huge issue. I just wanted to have kind of a kind of a seventh answer so that I didn't just lose out of nowhere. Um, I also don't tend to like to play counter magic with my hand disruption. And we are playing three Lilianas, two Inquisitions, two Thought Seizes. Um, Travis and I talked about this a little bit afterwards. Liliana was the worst card in the deck of the night. 
That's uh, what I was going to ask you how you felt about the Liliana. It was terrible. Um, it felt so bad with Snapcaster Mage and Ice Fan Coatle. I wanted to be playing at instant speed, and she didn't let me. Uh, I found myself siding them out a lot. Um, so my newest build has zero, and it has a card we'll talk about later uh, on from our list from Throne of Eldraine. Uh, but overall, yeah, I like. I I feel that there are a few different ways to build this deck. Um, I've now shifted it into a much more controlling version. I've trimmed the, uh, the Tarmogoyfs uh, and the trackers, and I've gone to some Delve Threats and some Snapcasters and my Plague Engineers and my Coatles. Uh But overall, uh, it was a really cool list. Um, you know, 4-1, lost a, lost a tight one with Travis. I wish our match was more interesting so we could talk about it, but all three games were just very lopsided. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't very exciting. Um, I think the coolest moment of the night for me, uh, and it makes me regret cutting Astrolabe, was I brought in engineered explosives against our good friend Julio, who had stonewalled me with some siege rhinos. Uh, and I'm sitting here looking for a dead of winter, just trying to wipe the board. And I found engineered explosives all chase, and I was like, ah, this isn't enough. And I'm just like, wait a minute. Yes, it is. And I, I, float red through my astrolabe and engineered explosives for four wipe the board i lost my jace but i removed enough of his blockers to swing for lethal so it was pretty cool um but definitely room room for improvement uh it's overall it was really nice to literally throw a brew together 15 minutes before the tournament and do pretty well um i it's it's kind of my thing i i do tend to throw lists together right before tournaments uh <laughs> it works for me usually uh, but I I feel like I'm onto something. Gerard Fabiano has tweeted a bit um, about his lists uh, with cards like um, oh uh, Forbidden Alchemy uh, and Oko. Uh, I'm definitely going to be trying some Okos going forward. Uh, that card just seems absurd, uh, especially with your Snapcaster Mages. Get a Snapcaster Mage in play instead of it being a dorky two one after it does its thing, becomes a three three. Um, if you're not worried about the death touch or the flying on your coaddle, you can just make it into three threes to speed up your clock. Like it's pretty cool. Um, you know, you've also got the food to mitigate some life loss, so you don't have to play cards like uh, um, scavenging news, which ties up your mana a little bit and and forces you to play a little more green. Um, it it really cleans up and answers a lot of the questions that you needed to answer in the deck. Uh, and I'm super excited about it. So I'll I'll be playing I'll be running back version two this weekend. But other than that, yeah. Uh, do you guys have any questions or comments on the list? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so you said Ice Fang Codal might be the all star of the deck. Yeah. Did you ever sneak and block something like a Tarmogoyf or a Death Shadow? Uh, yeah. So that was uh, for me. That was the biggest thing. Uh, against Aaron, I was able to kill one of his Death Shadows, uh, and then in our next game, I I just stonewalled him. Um, I, I picked his hand apart with my hand disruption, and then got a Coatle into play end of turn, and he couldn't attack. Uh, he had to dig for his Battle Rage, and when he found it, I got to take it, uh, and he was locked out of the game, more or less. Ice Fang Coatle ends up acting almost like this prison card uh, that doubles a bit as a clock. And that was uh, that was my my kind of experience with it there. I think it's better or worse than Baleful Strix. Uh, it's hard. Um, I think in modern right now, 
um, better. But I think in a vacuum, I think Baleful Strix is a better magic card um, because it's it's not required to... You don't need the Snow Lance for your Death Touch. And you're also not required to play green, which is nice. Uh, not having to play a color that is traditionally not the greatest in some of the non-rotating formats. It tends to be a bit of a support color. Um, you know, it definitely draws you into a bit of a downside, but in this case, in modern, we've got some extra tools. So walk me through your matches. You went against Jund. You mm-hmm. went against Absan. Grixis uh, Death Shadow. Grixis Death Shadow. Um, uh, Titan Shift. And, um, oh, what was the last one I played? Oh, man. It was a not close one, and I can't remember what I played again. So it was round one, Abzan. Round two. Was it Travis? No, it wasn't Travis. Travis and I played in the finals. Um, yeah, I can't remember. Oh, that's going to bug me to death. Um, yeah, I don't well. remember. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, uh, it, was a, it was another creature deck, I'm pretty certain. Um, but either way, uh, yeah, I got to... Uh, against Absin, I had the Engineered Explosives play. Otherwise, it was it was it was a pretty textbook uh, match. Um, game one, he got a, a Shalai into play and had a bunch of birds that were buffed. Um, I cracked a fetch to get Revolt and push the Shalai, and then I untapped and Maelstrom pulsed all of his birds, just completely wiping his board, leaving him with no cards in hand. Um, that was pretty straightforward. Uh, then against Titan Shift, um, oh man, game one was so rough. Um, I, I'm sitting here just ripping apart Jonesy's hand, and he just rips basically threat after threat, um, to the point of he had Summoner's Pact, and I, like, I was like, okay, this sucks. Um, so he Summoner's Packs, he gets his Titan down, I trophy it, I trophy his Valakut, um, Snap Trophy, another Valakut, like, it was crazy. Um, but I got it, and then game two, it just unfortunately was not close. He mulliganed, um, and I just kind of ripped his hand apart. Uh, and then against Grixis Death Shadow, like I said, Aaron and I had a very fun match. Uh, un- unfortunately for him, uh, my cards all lined up very, very well, and I was not dealing myself nearly as much damage as a lot of the other mid-range decks tend to, uh, so he couldn't really capitalize on that, and I was able to just basically... Uh, Basically whittle him down and beat him to death with some coattles and some uh, creeping tar pits. And then against uh, against Jund, like I said, game one, Travis and I kept thought-seizing each other, and eventually he killed me with a scavenging ooze. Game two, we kept thought-seizing each other, and I think I killed you with a creeping tar pit or something. Tarmogoyf. Yeah, Tarmogoyf. And then game three, you, uh, you blew up my lands. <laughs> So, the guys oh, won. That's all I'm saying. Mm, did they? You're playing red. <laughs> cool, man. I, I really appreciate your brew, and I think it's got some legs, especially as we talk about this card you're adding to it from Throne of Train. Oh, yeah. So by means of transition, let's jump to that card. This is Oko Thief of Crowns. It is one green and a blue. For a legendary Planeswalker Oko. Starts out at four loyalty. And it goes up to six on the first plus. 
plus two to create a food token, which is an artifact, and it has two sacrifice, gain three life. Second ability is plus one target artifact or creature loses all abilities and becomes a green elk creature with base power and toughness three, three. Then ultimate minus five exchange control of target artifact or creature you control and target creature and opponent controls with power three or less. All right, Gilbert, tell me why you want to play this card. It does everything. Um, it's initial plus uh, mitigates some life loss for us. Um, you know, the food tokens gain you life. Um, it's second plus acts as pseudo removal. And more importantly, it buffs some of our dorky utility creatures that we have to play. Uh, in this deck, you're playing, uh, you're playing creatures with enter the battlefield effects. And, uh, you know, most of the time we want our quaddle to have flying and death touch that that's fine. But I don't think anybody has ever said, I would rather my snapcaster mage be a two, one than a three, three. And, uh, that's kind of where I'm at with this. Uh, on top of this can also speed up our clock post-board. When we bring in our Kalidus, we can start turning our zombies into 3-3s three to speed up our clock by a turn or two, and often that's enough um, against, like, uh, humans, for example, when you're playing against humans. Uh, I think that one zombie you didn't have slowed you a turn. You still ended up getting it, but I think it slowed you a full turn cycle, didn't it? Mm, probably. Yeah, so... Even even just being able to to up my turn cycles a little bit faster, making my snapcasters bigger, um, this kind of urges us to go back to playing astrolabe to turn our astrolabes into three threes, or maybe playing Mishra's baubles. Um, there's a there's a lot going on with this card, and I think it does kind of everything we need it to do. Um, and it's we, plus one is any creature or artifact. Right, yeah. Uh, it, it does act as pseudo removal. So if my opponent has like a death a within. Yeah, if my opponent has a death shadow in play, I can turn it into a three three. Um, alternatively, is minus five, which you can do the turn after you plus it. If my opponent plays an early death shadow and they don't have a way to, to grow it fast, it's just a three three. I can steal it and ki uh, kill it immediately. Um, you know, my Oko is going to go down to one, but I've 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 paid three mana to kill a death shadow. Um, I really like giving a food token to the Death Shadow player, too. Yes. Like, they want to gain life. <laughs> it does nothing for them. Uh, so, it's this card just does a little bit of everything, um, and I'm really excited about it. On, an, on another note, I think these three mana playing walkers with this much loyalty is a design mistake. <laughs> uh, like, this, oh, this no. card is probably going to ruin standard. Uh, but, oh. well the fact that it's second ability which is usually you know it's kind of pseudo removal and kind of pseudo protect himself type of thing is not a minus one when you read when i first read this card i read it as a minus one because that just no. makes sense but no it's not a minus yeah. one it's a plus it's another plus yeah and i do love that they're going this route of these ultimates on these planeswalkers they're not really ultimates that's a cool route to take too uh but uh yeah, I just love this card. I love its abilities. I love its art. I love its mana cost. It's just a super cool card. Yeah, there's I wanted to add... There's a, there's a couple more cards from Eldrain I want to play in the list, too. So. Okay. Well, uh, if we don't touch on them by the end, you should bring it up. I wanted to add, I saw this in action by Ely Kisses. He was playing it in a Paradoxical Outcome list. Oh, with my Urza, gosh. And he used the plus one portion to kill, quote-unquote, a collector, uh, yeah, collector oof on the yeah. opponent's side. Oh my god, and then proceeded to win the game that turn. 
So yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, he was playing Soltai uh, Paradoxical Outcome. It was pretty that's cool. Super interesting. So looking yeah. at this okay. card, I think that this and Little Teferi and Standard at the same time definitely isn't a mistake. Like. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. Perfectly fine. Reasonable thing to be like, happening. I'm just thinking about this combo right now, and I'm like, how oppressive is this? It seems fairly <laughs> oppressive. You're right. Imagine being a mono red player in standard right now. <laughs> Imagine uh, not being able to. Yeah, well, I someone, some, I can't remember who, uh, someone tweeted, and they said, this is probably the worst mono red's ever been in standard. Um, th- like, you have so much utility to gain life, like you're incidentally gaining life. The tap lands gain you life that people actually want to be playing because the format's slow. Like it's crazy. Like, why would you sleeve up a modern red deck right now? I don't think I would. <laughs> uh let's go down our list. So that was number one. Number two, and this is probably the second most impactful card in modern right now, is Emery Lurker of the Lock. It's a two and a blue, but you're never paying that. Legendary Merfolk Wizard. This spell costs one less for each artifact you control. When Emery Lurker of the Lock enters the battlefield with the top four cards of your library into your graveyard, it has a tap ability. Choose target artifact card in your graveyard. You may cast that card this turn. You still have to worry about timing rules and things like that. So Emery Lurker of the Lock has made an impact in a couple different decks. I was messing around with it in... Uh, lantern control and being able to cast this on turn one in multiple decks is not difficult you pair it with a mishra's bobble and a mox opal and you're in business so uh, i put a list that you guys can see that's actually top aided uh, the challenge this last saturday a uh, fairly large challenge i think it was over 100 people and it was uh, a four of even though it's a legendary card uh, in a paradoxical Urza list, and uh, just yeah. looks extremely explosive. I I really only have one thing to say about this card, um, and it's that strange women lying in ponds distributing swords is no <laughs> basis for a system of government. Supreme executive power derives from a mandate from the masses, not from some farcical aquatic ceremony. And that's that's all I really got to say. <laughs> What? 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 <laughs> what are you even saying? Have you ever seen Monty Python on Holy Grail? <laughs> oh my gosh! Is that what this yeah. card's from? Well, it's the Lady of the Lake, which is Arthurian oh. legend. She she gave him uh, she gave him Excalibur, <laughs> and there's a there's there's a scene in the Monty Python film where Arthur. Uh, is is riding up and he's speaking to some peasants, and they're, they're I know like, that scene. Yeah, and he goes on this rant about how uh, if some some moist and bent had lobbed a scimitar at him and it made him king, they'd put him away. <laughs> it's just like one of the best scenes in in cinema, <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna get to think about it every time somebody casts Simri. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this though, my one negative thing about this card is they keep printing Merfolk cards that aren't playable in Merfolk. <laughs> and it just makes me sad as a person who enjoys the deck Merfolk. 
I yeah. can see that. Yeah, Merfolk gang not approved. It really is bonkers to play it on turn one with a Mishra's Bubble, and then you're just drawing an extra card a turn, and you see your opponent's draw step every turn. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. No, it's... I like. I'm looking at this list and trying to think of what I need to pick up to play it. <laughs> and I'm really close to it. So I might end up playing this one week. Yeah, I think Caleb... Might have been Caleb D was playing the Emery um, Witching Well type deck. Yeah, and I mean it's it's kind of weird. It was, I mean, I'm watching it like it's one of those things. It's you know, I would not expect this to be a deck, and it just you kind of look at it, you go, oh, what is this? And then it plays, it plays really well. I yeah. don't know if it's you know here to stay, you know, but it's it's interesting. Yeah, I think it is. I I, ho- I hope the deck like in general though. Doesn't expect a willed supreme executive power just because some watery cart threw a sword Stop at it. <laughs> Part I wanted to mention that's I'm been in this deck, and I think this might be tier one is the reason I'm mentioning it, is Witching Well. It's yeah. uh, an artifact for a blue. When it enters, you scry two, and you can pay three in a blue to sacrifice it and draw two cards. This is just such an enabler for Urza, Lord High, Artificer, that once this is in play, uh, you can do some pretty crazy things as far as like going deep into your deck with Paradoxical Outcome. Uh, there's uh, a couple of decks that play uh, Mystic Forge, and having the Witching Well in play with, with Mystic Forge, or even hitting it off the top and then scrying, it's just really powerful, and they're just drawing so many cards and going so deep that it's inevitable that those creatures are ever either going to win the game or they're going to go infinite uh, with Thopter Sword. It's uh, just pretty crazy. So I think uh, it's worth noting that we've been seeing a higher number of cards getting added to Modern and Legacy than I think we ever have before. It seems like every set we're getting a few oh, cards, yeah. which is crazy to think about. It's because I remember when I first started playing Legacy. It was pretty, you know, you had your decks, you had, you know, Rug Delver, you had Elves, you had Show and Tell and Storm, whatever. You like, you had your decks, and every once in a while, somebody would get something and be shaken up a little bit, shaken up a little bit. But it's, I think before we got on, I think before we started recording, I was saying I was looking at some of the modern events going on, and I feel like I'm looking at an entirely different format every time I look at a new tournament result. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Which I do understand people disliking that. And I understand people who like that. It's, you know, some people it. like, yeah, it's, there are people who love, you know, be able to brew, be able to, you know, try out new things and add that new, you know, fun element to it. And there are some people who like to, you know, perfect what you have. And I understand both, you know, thoughts on it. But I, I think it's very interesting that their stance on, yeah, print it. Freddy should love it. Unknown metas are great for burn. <laughs> Doesn't matter if people know it or not. Three to face, three to face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> These cards all say lightning bolt. <laughs> What's our next card, Travis? Yeah, this is one that had a lot of hype, and I think the hype has definitely died down. It's Charming Prince, one in a white for a 2-2, Human Noble. When it enters the battlefield, choose one. You have three options. Scry two, gain three life, or blink another creature. Essentially. It comes back at end step. And it's a like lot of people were talking about, yeah, yeah, flicker wisp effect, but it's only your creatures or creatures you own. So 
everyone was saying this would be like a four of. It was um, spoiled by Reed Duke. And I just don't see the power level being there on any of the three modes in Modern or Legacy, for example. And so I think it's only going to be in Humans going forward. What are you guys' thoughts on Charming Prince? It's It seems like kind of like a Night of Autumn type card where it's, you know, it just seems, it does some stuff. It does a lot of stuff. It's Gaining three life is not the worst thing in the world for two. You know, scrying two is actually pretty decent. It's a two-two for two, which is not terrible. You know, not the greatest, but not awful. And its effect, it, you know, you throw down, you know, Thalia's lieutenants. You bounce Thalia's lieutenants, which can be really good. But also, uh, you're talking about uh, earlier. You're talking about Vile and how this works really well with Vile on two as a pseudo uh, protection for one of your creatures. Right. Um. Yeah, I think humans is the home for this deck. I think maybe Soul Herder could play a copy or two, um, but I think for the most part, this is this is strictly a humans card. It's something to find off your militia B lawyers. Um, it's something to use as protection. Uh, it's a utility card. Um, I agree with you that none of these modes are particularly exciting. I think it's just the combination of the modality and being able to choose is what is what makes it the kind of card humans would want. Because uh, humans usually doesn't have a lot of choices. Um, usually their cards all do one thing, and it's disrupt you so they can kill you. This gives you a little bit. It plays well when you're behind, it plays well when you're ahead, and it plays well when you're at parity, uh, which is something that that deck could really use. Uh, especially now that it's been kind of knocked out of the meta a bit. Uh, so it's it's nice to see it getting some tools. Going to the next one, we have Deafening Silence, a sideboard card. Uh, an enchantment for a white, one CMC. Each player can't cast more than one non-creature spell each turn. So I've seen this pop up in sideboards in Legacy, and I think that's probably the home that it's going to have the most. Uh, I don't really see it in Modern unless uh, these uh, paradoxical outcome lists continue to grow. But definitely has a home in Legacy, really good against a bunch of stuff. So what are you guys' thoughts on Deafening Silence? Uh, once again, kind of agreed. Uh, Storm is a terrible deck in Modern. Uh, we own it, and I think we haven't played it in months, like Jonesy nor myself. Like, it's terrible. And this is the kind of card that hates out Storm, uh, as if that deck needed more hate. Um, but in Legacy, absolutely. Uh, this is the kind of card, like... Uh, um, Stone Blake can play, Death and Taxes can play, Snow White can even play it. Um, the only of the white decks that I could see having trouble playing it uh, would be like the Jeskai Mentor lists, because uh, they kind of want to be playing more than one spell a turn. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't play it. It's like it's like these people who sleeve up uh, Rest in Peace and they're running six deck, and uh, so I, I I highly disagree with that. <laughs> Oh, so there's like hidden text on Deafening Silence that's kind of like written into the rule book of what it actually says. And that text is, your counter spells can't be countered. Ah, oh, that's true. If you're playing against like Sneak and Show, you, you know your uh, Red Blast is good. You know your Force of Will is good because they're not going to come over the top of you. I didn't even so, think about that. That's, yeah, okay. I really like that aspect, especially if you're operating at instant speed, because then you can uh, play essentially 
two spells a turn because you play one on your turn, one on their turn. That's true. That's true. There's, yeah, I like there's that. a lot of white and blue decks or Jeskai decks that do that. So, but yes, still a sideboard card. It does like check squad against a ton of decks too. All right. This one is something I think you should consider for your Sultai list. Yep, uh, this was one of them. <laughs> blue and a black, Drown in the Lock, an instant. It has two modes, choose one. Counter target spell with CMC less than or equal to the number of cards in its controller's graveyard. Or destroy target creature with CMC less than or equal to the number of cards in its controller's graveyard. So how good is this in modern, you think? Uh, I think it depends on the number of Mog anglers running around. Um, obviously terrible against that card, whereas a card like Mana Leak is usually pretty good against Angler. Um, I think it really just depends. I, I'd i pick some up, and we were playing Throne of Eldraine cards in our, our modern decks on Saturday. Um, I opted not to play this, uh, but I think I'm going to try to make room for a couple. Uh, I might cut Mana Leak for it. Um, because this card's much better in the late game. Like, it scales to the late game really well. Um, this card is going to kill Tarmogoyf. Um, you know, I like I said, I think the only the only thing it's never really going to kill is, like, Gurmog Angler. And even later in the game, it might still do that. So, Justin, do you have any thoughts on Drown of the Lock? I mean, it's... I think Josh says it pretty well, or it's one of those cards where it just, I mean, it does scale pretty well. And it, I, I can see it, you know, being picked up here and there. I, I don't, you know, it's not going to be, wow, you know, the entire game has now changed. Amazing card. But I, I can see this popping up here and there, kind of like a, um, a Dovin's Veto type of thing, where it's, I can see it in a couple lists here and there popping up, maybe not four of, maybe not, the, you know, set staple, but I mean, it's I like, pretty decent. I like this best in Esper. Uh, or like um, the blue-black ninjas deck that pops up here and there. I like it best there. Um, I think it's good in Soul Tide, uh, but I think I like it best in like Esper or Ninjas. I think that's I think that's where it shines. Yeah, yeah it seems like something you play in like a Lily deck. I see. I, I I disagree with that part because I don't like playing cards that I want to hold uh, when I'm playing a Liliana deck. This is this is a reactive card. It feels like. Um, whereas I can be proactive with just my straight removal. I think the modality actually goes against this in a Lily deck, but I mean, I could, I could still see playing it there. It's the reason why I, I agree with Freddie on this one is because, you know, Liliana, if you have a mana leak and someone's not casting spells and you have Liliana and you have a mana leak in hand, it's just now going to go straight to your graveyard and there's really nothing else you can do with that. That's a very, that's an upset child. And so, <laughs> I, I, that's how I'd feel if I had a mana leak in my hand with a play, just like that child. Um, oh, no. But, uh, <laughs> Sorry. No, you're fine, buddy. But Drown in the Lock, it's one of those things where it's, you, you, know, you can change it up. So it's not just, you know, not a straight counter spell. So it's not just 100% dead in your hands. You can at least do something yeah. with it instead of just going straight to discard. Right. Yep. That's kind of where I am with it. But I see, I see Freddy's reasoning too in like a. Uh, <clears throat> I, I want to see more of the people branching out into things like blue-black control or Grixis. I would love to see this in a Grixis deck. Um, like, I think it would be super cool there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's a card we're going to see, but I'm just not really sure where yet. 
Uh, oh, yeah. Unlike your next card, Travis, I know exactly where we're going to see it. I, I am so excited to introduce this card. So Mystic Sanctuary Land. It is an island. Yes, a fetchable land. It says tap to add a blue. Mystic Sanctuary enters the battlefield tapped unless you control three or more other islands. When Mystic Sanctuary enters the battlefield untapped, you may put target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard on top of your library. So a couple of like key interactions with this that we pointed out are obviously like putting a terminus on top of your library, uh, putting a cryptic command on top of your library, end of turn. Uh, yeah, there's just some really neat interactions. When you're running short on gas and you top deck a fetch land, this turns your fetch land into gas next turn. So, yeah. I guess my real question isn't yeah. where do you guys see it, because I see it being in a lot of places. How ubiquitous is this going to be, like, two years from now when we're playing, like, you know, blue decks in Legacy that only have islands as their mana base? Or, uh, like, Miracles, for example, in Legacy. I know almost every vintage deck has blue in it. Like, how ubiquitous um, do we see being. I think all high tide players were super excited until they realized that they're still going to play all the other cards you play in high tide. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, this, this, like, notably, this is very good in high tide, though. Like, fetching, getting this, putting, uh, putting a high tide on top, drawing it with your preordain or whatever. Like, that's still insane. Like, that accelerates you so much. And this taps for extra mana off of your high tide. Yeah, which is crazy. Uh, like, this card, that actually is a really good shout out. Like, I think this card's insane there. Um, you know, we talk about non-rotating formats, one that we don't touch on much, uh, and one that I think this will be banned in is Popper. I think this card will be banned in Popper within the year. Um, that format has, like, so, so many um, just absolutely busted recursion shenanigans, which is hilarious to think about because it's, it's commons, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, it's super like, sweet. No, this is, yeah, this card's going to get banned in Popper. Like, obviously, you can't fetch it, but, yeah, I don't think it's long for that format. Um, but I think I think it's absolutely busted in Modern and Legacy and maybe Vintage, too. Um, in Modern, like, it's going to slot right into the Blue-White Miracles deck. Blue-White likely goes back to a Miracles shell just for this card. Because not only does this put a Terminus on top for us, when we're grinding out late game... Uh, and we've cycled our hieroglyphic illumination early on. This puts our hiero on top, so we can draw it and then draw two more. Like it's very good. Um, yeah, like I I can't believe it's a common, and I I can't believe they printed it. Like it's a it's absurd. Yeah, I was yeah, gonna I, say the blue white miracles definitely. Like that's immediately where my mind went with it. It seems like a really awesome thing there. Yeah, I'm at a loss for words for it. I, I definitely like the the tap because it's not if it was just comes and play tapped, it wouldn't be as exciting. But the fact that it has a chance to come in untapped, so it's it's not just bonkers where you can just you know slot this in in the place of an island type of thing. Because it still has a downside of coming in tapped a good portion of the start of the game, but it really quickly can come in as an untapped island. Yeah, exactly. I think it's I, I like that game design that they have behind it, where they're like, okay, you know, there, there's going to be some restrictions. But the restrictions can go away. Mm -hmm. 
really like that it's on four lands too, once you hit four lands, because that's kind of a pivot point for a lot of the control decks in Legacy, because you have to get to four to play your Jace the Mind Sculptor. But I can imagine a scenario where you fetch, get this, end of turn, and put like a Force of Will on top of your library, and then your opponent knows it's coming, but you still have protection for the Jace when it comes down. So, yeah, and then you have Cryptic Command and Modern, like... It, it telegraphs the information, but I don't think that matters as much when you're just refueling off of fetch lands. So. Yeah, I think I think it's just oh man, like yeah, like I said, this is a card that I could see being banned in multiple formats in the next year or two. Like, yeah, it's just gross. <laughs> Buy your foils. Yeah, right. <laughs> I want to close our podcast this week by asking each podcaster a question. Uh, for all of you guys, can you give us one tip for someone going to their first PTQ? Oh yeah, this is a, this is a good question. Um, get some sleep. Like seriously, so many people fall into this trap of either staying up super late before, and I've been guilty. And Freddie and Justin will both vouch for this. Um, I'm about indestructible and I can run on like no sleep. Most people are not like me. Justin isn't like me. <laughs> uh, I will fully agree with Josh on this because you'll get ridiculed for the rest of your life. <laughs> uh, it's just get some sleep. There's, there's no replacement for it. No amount of energy drinks or, you know, extra food in the morning is, is going to make up for that. Just get some rest so you can play at the top of your game. Be ready to go. Bring you some. Bring you some energy. Some some snacks and stuff. Just, just, just take care of your body. Like it, it's something we skip a lot, and it's important for bigger tournaments. And Justin, what do you say? I mean, honestly, I, I do like the uh, the sleep element because it's it is surprisingly you know a huge thing. But also, I would say just just. Get prepared and just don't worry. I, I don't know. I, I think if you're going to, into this mindset and you're worried about it, you're sitting there you know, stressing, 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 you're going to do poorly. You're going to do terribly. Just enjoy yourself and play like you know, how you normally play. Because if you're going to be winning games against most people, but then you can go to these events and you psych yourself out and you're going to end up playing like garbage because you're sitting there worrying about everything instead of just worrying about what's the game state, what's in my hand. It's just, you know, make sure you have water, make sure you get sleep. And that's honestly, I think the biggest thing is just water, sleep, relax. That's a good, that's a good tip on everything in life, though. <laughs> it's true. What about you, Freddie? What's your tip? Uh, well, let's see. You guys covered like not psyching yourself out, not, not like not getting rest. I think my biggest tip for somebody going to the PTQ would be like, don't suck. <laughs> that's um, a hard one since, for me. since we covered everything else just like and i don't mean that in like a snarky way i mean like just don't take it too seriously like because i know i've done this at tournaments gone and been like i need to get this result or i want to do this and then same thing justin said like don't be a shitty person don't get tilted like just chill and play magic and do the things that you do and if it's there it's there it'll come to you and if not it's not yeah, don't be mad when you're storm and you lose to burn. That's it's what you signed up for. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Talk about bad beats. <laughs> what about you? What about you, Travis? What's your what's your one tip? 
My tip, and we'll end with this, is have all 74 cards in your list memorized. 74? Yep. That's have a good night, you. guys. <laughs> <laughs> good night, guys. Good night.